Gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. Lawrence. Well, since it is the two of us, uh, there is no better way to start than with some Coldplay talk. Like straight up, how do you go from Gwyneth Paltrow to Dakota Johnson? I mean, Gwyneth Paltrow did found Goop, and she is a vegan, so, you know. So here's the thing, I bet Dakota Johnson is incredibly more sane than (laughs) Gwyneth Paltrow was, but come on, dude. Yeah, Gwyneth Paltrow is a, she's like a... She, I should be okay with kind of how crazy she is, but like, I'm just not, you know. Yeah, I got you. Like, I, I, veganism is like one of the most morally, I guess, upstanding things to do. Like, we don't want to harm any animals. You know, we want this, we want that. But like, the people who are vegans just ruin it for me. You know. I got you. Like. Like, not that I could be vegan, because I just love hamburgers and steak too much, and I've had, like, I tried a bite of, like, a vegan steak or whatever, and it was just tofu and crap like that. It was horrible. Like, I would probably be more ready to, like, be a vegan if, like, it would go, it would bump up from a 0% chance, like a 1% chance, not saying it's likely, if, like, if their people weren't such dicks about it. Dumping blood gotcha. on people, yelling at people at restaurants. Just, like, ease me into it. It's the same with Trump. It's like, I would love to listen to Trump and actually give a hoot about a president or a presidential candidate, but these people are just out of their freaking minds, and they are nuts. So I just can't listen. It's hard, but whatever. Coldplay talk. What's what's the deal with Coldplay? What's the deal with them? Pretty sure they're recording an album. Are you Really? Where'd you hear that? I didn't hear it anywhere. They just haven't been on tour. It's true. I mean, they, t- they had a really long tour, so odds are they're in the midst of a break. But what do you do? You want to hear from them again, or what? Of course, I just literally listening to them right now. Yeah, I don't know. I keep thinking about like what Coldplay's next album would sound like, and I just you know can't think uh, of it. They're getting poppier. I'm kind of hoping they go back to their roots. Ooh. I would, that was douchey. I would, <laughs> I would love nothing more than a straight-up Johnny Buckland going wild guitar album. Like, really uh, heavy. heavy rock, hard rock album. Yeah, scale back the synths, scale back the pianos. Just go, not like hard rock, obviously, but like an album of God Put a Smile on Your Face, Violet Hills, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Just something, because I think he's... He's so underutilized with them, I think, because like most song he just he's just barely playing. And he's the rhythm player. He's not a lead player. He's a I know, but I think he can be guy. a lead. No, player. I mean, I know, I mean, that's what he is. Uh, yeah, assigned to right. Like the Edge is a perfect mix of being a guy who can be who can play textures and kind of be in the background, and then somebody who can take the lead. And I think Buckland has the same kind of uh, qualities, and I just want to see him get the chance to show those off a little bit because he can shred and will champion can play drums real good and he can sing too buckland no will champion oh yeah yeah he's got a good voice he's the edge of the group in terms of vocals (laughs) but i don't know i'm i miss coldplay does that make chris martin bono obviously he's so 
Bono. He a less douchey Bono? I don't know. I don't think Bono's very douchey. I think he's awesome, but, you know, you could sell me on that. He probably thinks he You're is. You're also super biased. It's not biased, just to say that you like something. It makes you biased when you're... Uh, Trying to uh, be objective on it? When you're analyzing the uh, different parts of the band. I think everybody is... There's nobody in this world who is unbiased about Hello. things. You're not. You're not. You're straight biased. I've never been biased in my life. <laughs> what are you talking about? I'm so objective towards everything that we talk about. Especially uh, musicals that came out at the end of last year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know. Um, definitely miss Coldplay. Uh, what other bands are you excited about? Well, um, we talked about it on our last car cast a little bit, a band I've been getting into. <laughs> By the way, sorry to just stop off for a second, but I noticed in our analytics that the Hereditary episode, because it came out like that weekend, it got an unusual amount more downloads, like five times what you usually get. And I just feel bad for all those people who had to tune in to a car what cast. Even, what did we even talk about? I, don't, we I remember t- we played a game. Yeah. And then we were all like, I have no idea what the hell I just watched. I ripped on you for your, with your car, about your car for a while. Oh, and then we I'm talked. not being a patriot. Yeah. That was funny. And then we just kind of like were confused about the movie for 20 minutes. I don't know. I just, I hope I can see those people like, this is, why did I download this? They're not even talking about it. They're in a car. What's happening? But I don't know. Maybe some of them but, liked it. Well, we hadn't explained what CarCast was. Well, I said it was the third CarCast. So like that, the... You know, understanding it is on them. For they'll go listen. back. They'll go back. They're like, "Wow, I really, yeah. really liked that." I didn't hate that one guy at all. He wasn't. I like how nice everybody is. <laughs> they love America. This is great. Uh, <laughs> but um, uh, what were you saying? We were talking about. We music. talked about it before we started recording in our most popular episode ever. Yeah. Um, I've been listening to this band called Houndmouth recently. Oh, yeah. That's like folk rock alternative blues band. Yeah, I really like them. Super into it. Except now the girl's not in the band anymore, so I'm like, oh, no. What did she do? She's doing her own shit, but... No, but what was she in the band? Well, she's a singer. Okay. Wow, really? Yeah, she has a couple of... Uh, everybody in that band sings. Okay. Hmm. But... Hers was the female voice, and I like female singers. Yeah. You like female singing, you just don't like them speaking at all, you know? No. Yeah. Better heard on music, that. It's got a probably preview of our conversation later. Probably going to be your biggest problem with Incredibles, too, but, you know. But yeah, all the women's voices. It was so... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. How about you? Other than you, too. Oh, who am I excited what for? What music do you listen to? Oh, I listen to kind of this, that, and everything. But there aren't really many bands who I sort of follow their career or groups or artists or whatever. Um, I guess one of my, other than ABBA, like one of my other favorite musicians is a Norwegian singer by the name of Suzanne Sundfor. I think oh, I've yeah, talked Oblivion. about her. Hmm? She has the Oblivion song Yep, from the credits of Oblivion. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, that was my introduction to her. Loved her ever since. Great song. It's a jam. Um, her two albums ago, she made what I think is the best album of the decade. Uh, 
so far at least like i think it's better than songs of innocence songs of experience even i just think it's brilliant it's called 10 love songs and it's just it is incredible it's 10 love songs that's all it is yeah it's it's an incredible album it's very it is mechanical and like industrial and techy without being like dead mouth or Dead Mouse or whatever that guy's name is, or Dead Mouse Five, yeah, yeah, <laughs> or Daft Punk or whatever. It, it just the the effects she has are great. Her voice is just powerful. The melodies are strong. I just think it's it's amazing. And then she followed it up with a song with an album that is com- the complete opposite direction. It's called the album's called Music for People in Trouble, and it's very stripped down. You know, pianos, acoustic guitars, stuff like that. Melodies aren't that great. Uh, and it's just kind of a small album. And I respect her for kind of, you know, swinging the pendulum back the other way and doing something different, but not my favorite album. And I know she's on tour now, and that album came out last year, so I'm, we're prob- I'm probably in sort of the in-between area of um, new music from her. But Did you go okay. see her if she was on tour here? I've tried. I've tried many times to go see her, but she's just, you know, she's Norwegian, so she keeps to, she keeps Norway. She comes to New York. Europe, mostly. Yeah, she come, she came to New York relatively recently, but uh, most of her set, half, like half of her set, set list, or even three quarters of it was from her new album, and I was just like, mm, nothing. Yikes. Like, I get, like, if you, you know, if if a quarter of your set list is from the new album, I'm fine, but like, Especially with her, when I love basically everything else, but with this, it's like okay, Duh, this isn't my favorite thing in the world. Um, fun fact about her: <laughs> Wow, she showed her support for the socialist left party in the Norwegian general election. <laughs> All right, Quote, that sounds about right. Vote for solidarity in protecting our planet. Vote against capitalism. It's the only humane future. Oh, I love it. Um, she did. Her great uncle or somebody discovered like Pluto or something like that. Mm. <laughs> Pluto was discovered by some guy from Kansas in the thirties. Yeah, it's well, it was taken off of Wikipedia, so maybe it's not true. Huh. Well, I think she's great. Um, and um, yeah, so she's doing her thing. I start. I for a while I was pretty excited about Muse, but they're just kind of the worst now. Uh, what have they done? They had a drones tour where they did they kind of ripped off U two, and just the last thing I remember them doing was a song on the Arkham Knight soundtrack. Oh, they did. By that I mean they used it in the uh, advertisements. Hmm. Cool. Yeah. It was a fine song. It was okay. Yeah, they start, they started off really cool. They just they yeah, Bellamy has their, these. Is their first album the the one with Sidonia? I believe so. Because that is a hell of an album. Yeah, yeah. Like they they started off good, and they just sort of they're kind of digging themselves a hole because now they just you know they have the fat bass lines and the you know the big guitar or big guitars and Bellamy's just enormous vocals and like. You know, they just sort of are kind of trying to out-muse themselves, you know? It's like, can it, how can we sound more like a caricature of Muse? It's like, I don't know. 
because they have some really cool like um exogenesis something or other from oh that like I, that three-part little symphony thing that they did yeah yeah like they that do was, that's stuff good, like that too, yeah where they have like symphonies and they do these really long pieces of music that sometimes don't even have vocals and then they do drones like the second law is a really interesting album but oh yeah that's got a really like cool dubstep uh track yeah. on it yeah 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 and then um, half of it showed up on World War Z and then was bad. <laughs> I like that. But, uh, yeah, I just, and I just, they keep singing about the same stuff. Like, they love 1984 more than any other band ever has. And it's just like, I With get it. The book it. or the year? The book, obviously. The year was unexceptional. The book was pretty cool. <laughs> and, like, apocalyptic. Ronald Reagan yeah. uh, won re-election in 1984. That's true. That was the greatest year. But, I don't know. Uh, anybody else? I mean, yeah, obviously, Psyched for Abba. Can't wait. The Stones apparently are going to have a new album out at some point. Oh uh, their first One album. needs to die so they can end. <laughs> yeah, they're, they sound pretty rough. Uh, it's it's kind of sad. But they should have quit after 15 counting. Because they sounded really good on 15 counting. But then they started counting, and now it's just like, ugh, yikes. But hey, Mick Jagger, he's taking his one-year-old son on tour, so. <laughs> it's disgusting. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty lit. Uh, anybody else for you but Houndtooth? Mouth? Mouth? Town mouth. To- tooth um, mouth? Mouth tooth, sorry. A mom? No, not really. Nobody in particular, that is. Okay. All right, cool. Well, you want to talk about some trailers? Because we've had about so. 30,000 released. Try- I tried to pick the best ones. Um, Hopefully the ones that I've seen. I haven't seen a lot of those ones that you listed earlier. Yeah, I've, I've seen a, a couple of them here or there, so uh, we'll skip over the ones we haven't seen. So Just see, because I, I, I'm not... I'll watch a trailer, but I'm not... I don't really... I haven't sought out any of these trailers. They just sort of like, oh, it's on my timeline. I watch it, and then I kind of forget about it. Uh, so... Mm-hmm. Because I, I, I had a great time with Hotel Artemis because I never saw a trailer. Thoroughbred, same way. You know, it's just, it's a lot more fun that way. Um, so, first trailer. Bad Times at the El Royale. Did you see it? That sounds familiar, but I don't think I did. What's that about? It's about this hotel in on the border of, I think, Utah and Colorado or something like that. But it's, like, built on the border, so you can be... On one side of the hotel is one state, and the other side is another state. And hijinks ensue of some sort, and there's like a conspiracy thing going on. John Hamm's in it, Jeff Bridges, uh, Chris Hemsworth, other people. Um, it's from the it's from the writer of Cabin in the Woods, so it's kind of got that. Sort I have of, not seen that, but okay. I was under the impression Joss Whedon wrote. I think they co-wrote it. He, dr- oh, Joss he directed, directed it, right? Yeah, they I, me, they either co-wrote or he or Drew Goddard, the director of this, got uh, sole credit. But I think this looks really cool. I, it's definitely um, Tarantino inspired. It's got a lot of uh, like archetypal, you know, not one dimensional, but like characters like the priest, the this, the that, the salesman, the whatever. This, yeah, like Chris Hemsworth plays a cult leader who's apparently the villain of the movie. So that sounds pretty cool. Um, and yeah, I just, it looked, it really piqued my interest and, um, it looks like it's an original, semi-original at least, um, 
uh, kind of Oscar possible. Okay, on a scale of one to ten, how indie is it? Oh, like two. It's yeah, not it's, indie at all. No, 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 no. It's very, uh, for lack of a better word, it's very cool. Oh, yeah. Like, I, it's hard to describe it. Like I said, it, it's probably a mix of like, I don't know. Pulp Fiction and something, maybe Kingsman or something like that. I don't know. It looks really cool. I'm not psyched for it, but I'm definitely ready for this to sort of surprise me. Uh, Who's next that movie pass to go and see it. <clears throat> yeah. Well, did you see A Star Is Born? I've seen that. No, no, I haven't seen the trailer for that, and I don't want to see that movie. You don't? Really? No, Why I don't not? Want Lady, I don't like Lady Gaga as an actor. Ooh, this will. I think this might change your mind. No, she was fucking garbage on American Horror Story. So yeah, well, what are you expecting from American Horror Story, though? I don't know. Not gonna get. It, it was good once. <laughs> yeah, they're like, how about if we do this twelve more times? <laughs> they go. <laughs> hey, they built a full franchise. Is that supposed to scare people? I don't understand. Yes, I think so. Yikes! Obviously, <laughs> wow. How can you be scared? How do, I don't know. I understand how people are scared know. by certain things. It's like it's a TV show. Just have a light on. You'll be fine. Star is Born, though, uh, directed and written by Bradley Cooper, uh, has a really... I mean, the, the trailer is great. It's kind of... It hits all the beats you kind of would expect from a movie uh, like this. Um, you know, quick cutting at the end. You know, rise in music. People punching other people and, you know... <laughs> taking their shirts off or whatever it's you know it's a it's a good trailer but the thing i'm most curious about is uh bradley cooper's performance because he looks like he plays this kind of uh dip in uh country star you know he sounds he's got this like ah, i don't want to get another look at you like yeah, he, he literally um, says that <laughs> he did that in uh what am i trying to say i um Christ, I think I just had a stroke. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think. He uh, kind of he kind of played that in uh, American Sniper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this we one had he's some like, practice. He's like a star, you know. And uh, Lady Gaga so, apparently she plays. Yeah, exactly. No machetes involved though. Uh, Lady Gaga plays like a girl he meets in like a bar. I think she's a cabaret dancer or something like that. Who's got who he you know, talks to and meets and she's got like a nice voice and he tries to encourage her to be, to kind of put herself out there. The only, this is, the only thing that kind of like raised an eyebrow with me, she's like, people like the way I sound. She's like, they just don't like the way I look. And I was like, "Eh, that's bullshit. (laughs) You're kind of beautiful. So I don't know. You don't, I don't think that we're going to be drawing the line at late, like girls that look like Lady Gaga. Like they're, you're exactly the kind of person who, we would whose society would try to oversexualize yeah, and they should you know, have got some so they should have gotten somebody weird like um bearded lady from greatest showman that might have worked honestly <laughs> no that movie's terrible that doesn't we know she wasn't terrible though the girl her beard her beard was well yeah that's not her fault as an actress though yeah but it's the movie's fault and she's in the movie Listen, that movie's bad but i didn't hate her I never want to stop ripping on Greatest Showman whenever oh, possible. Oh, me neither. It's my favorite meme. Oh, God. I, I still want to do a play-for-play play of it. 
play like for you, play? Like you did with... Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at Henry. I think that'd be so much fun. Maybe. Maybe. But, I, I, but here's the thing, Cody. That means we'd have to watch it again. I think it'd be worth it for the meme. Okay. Well, maybe. Uh, next trailer, Bumblebee. I did see that one. What'd you think? I'm kind of mad because it looks almost decent. Mm-hmm. Um... Yeah, it looks like a good Transformers movie, finally. What did you think, Mason? Uh, I thought it looked... <laughs> Sorry, sneeze. Uh, I thought it looked okay. Um, I just... People want to be like Transformers movies so much that I just... I don't think... A, a trailer doesn't have to look that good for people to lose their mind over it. Because even even when the Transformers movies were still like in the process of being made and getting awful reviews and everybody hating them, people still came out of those trailers and be like, "Ah, that looks pretty good." Like I did it with last night. I was <laughs> like, like uh, "Yeah, with good. the last night or whatever." That yeah, one, that one looked pretty decent. Like so, I'm just kind of skeptical. It's like people really want to love Transformers, and they just the last five in a row have all been. Varying degrees of awful to the public. I even I've seen the first two and I thought they were fine. So maybe like they the get first, worse. The first one is I like the first one. I'll say it. I think it's good. I like the second but, one. I, I no, I've the second it. one is like universally considered the worst one. I didn't mind it. Um, this one, this one that takes place at like the pyramids and shit, right? Yeah, I, don't, I liked garbage. it. I, it I saw robot it. balls in it. It's weird. <laughs> That's exactly why it's good. Um, but uh, this one, directed by Travis Knight, who his last movie was Kubo and the Two Strings, which is oh, an incredible movie, one of my favorites of 2016. Um, so that's encouraging. Christina Hodson is writing it, and she, based on this, basically got tapped for Birds of Prey and Batgirl from the um, uh, in the DC whatever universe, uh, whatever whatever they're going to call that. So there's a lot of things going right for this. Uh, John Cena, of course, uh, is uh, good. He's fun to watch. When do you so. think we're getting our uh, John Cena songs? Like he's—I don't think he's going to win an Oscar, but he'll peak whenever he and uh, The Rock do a movie. That's that's oh when. God. Yeah. I, I imagine a boxing movie with those two guys. Hmm. That'd be interesting. Or they play rival interior designers. I'd watch that too. Okay, good, good. Just so we're clear. But just uh, as long as they're rivals, honestly. Yeah. This, but Bumblebee looks like it looks like sixty-five to seventy percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and I think that'll be, you know, that'll be more than fine. Um, they it it's budgeted at one hundred and two million dollars. Uh, which is is that high? No. Not for a blockbuster. I mean, the last night was budgeted at $260 million. Okay. So I think these will be better off when they're kind of scaled down a little bit, but it also does look kind of like the same plot we see in every Transformers movie. Of, it does. It looks exactly like the first one, except with yeah, the girl. Robot, government, agents. Give us the robot. No. You know. Oh. So I don't. I don't think it's going to be that groundbreaking from a you know, storytelling department, but people are going to walk out and say, oh, wow, good Transformers movie. And I think that's kind of their goal because they need to, if they want this to continue, they need to sort of rebuild the brand. At least one good one. Yeah, and just kind of get some momentum going. But uh, Uh, Here's the thing. Do you think it's going to uh, 
play off of the other movies or I mean it's I, it's supposed to be a prequel so I would s- it really I think I'm I mean it's set it's set in the 80s and it's like a younger Bumblebee so maybe uh lots of age but uh, Do robots grow old cars grow old well, uh, I mean anything that's alive he looks like he looks younger maybe I don't I don't, I don't know the lore fucking weird dude I don't know I the lore, it. Cody. Yeah. Give me my lore! Lore! Uh, Spider-Man, Into the Spider-Verse. Did you see this one? Is this a new one? This is the animated Spider-Man. I know, I know. I've seen that one before, but did they come up with another one? Yes. Oh, I haven't seen it. I have not either, but... I'm very excited for that, that movie, though. Yeah, I I am actually... More than any other comic book movie of the last three years, or the or ones that we're getting in the next three years, I am now, I'm more excited and more hopeful for this movie's success than any other. Because I think, I don't think you could get it to work in a celebrity marketing kind of environment, but if somehow this leads into studios realizing, hey, why don't we animate these instead of doing live action? I think that would be the greatest thing to ever happen to comic book movies in the world like it at this point for my own personal enjoyment of them i would love nothing more than if if this made 800 million dollars and dc is like hey matt reeves you're animating your batman movies now or making animated batman movies the entire time no but like as a mainstream like franchise kind of a theater release yeah yeah like a big screen release with uh, with a big, like, not even a big budget. You could do a Batman movie animated and then make it look beautiful for, like, $125 million. Mm-hmm. Like, I just think animation is just the most, it's just, it's the most limitless potential. Things you can never get away with in live action without it looking like CGI vomit, you can make work in animation because it's all CGI vomit, but it's not. Cause yeah, it's then this good way looking. we can have a Batman plow out back or we can watch. <laughs> Yeah, or, or anything else. Um, but I, don't, I just, think, <laughs> I just think this, this kind of, this Spider-Man into the, into the Spider-Verse, because it's going to be sandwiched between Avengers and then it's right after Venom, I think. It's, it's being released at a really bad time, but any time is going to be a bad time with the way the MCU is chugging out movies. Um, uh-huh. But I just think it can really blow the doors open and kind of bring in a new way of looking at comic book movies because you know like and much like the incredible showed us uh all you need is voice actors like you don't need to get christian bale shredded and you know playing batman for eight months you can just get him to <coughs> voice batman for a few weeks he gets paid he has it on his imdb and he can do other stuff and he'll do like oh yeah i'll do like 10 batman movies i it's I'll do 10 Batman movies and I'll work a total of eight months, you know, and or I can do three for 10 years, basically. And I just think it's it's that's what I'm excited about. And if this makes money, I know how reactionary Hollywood is that I think the DCEU or whatever they are, especially would try to capitalize on it. And I just think that I think that would be so cool because the animation on this is just incredible. Uh, What do you think? Just about that, or the movie, or yeah, I'm excited for this. I think uh, you have a good idea there that yeah. it might be time to transition before the fatigue really sets in. Right. 
No word on a uh, on a budget, but ten dollars. Yep. Uh, I can't imagine it'd be that. Yeah, huge. It doesn't look like it's a couple hundred million dollars, you know. But um, oh, I think only three D animated movies get budgets like that. Yeah. Because I'm thinking like like Finding Dory was pretty expensive, but it was you know. But I don't know. Uh, it it all depends. Because Kubo was only sixty million bucks. That's the amazing thing. That wow. looked great. So it it really is. You know, you can as long as you put in over fifty million dollars, you're going to get something great for in return. So uh, next is Girl in the Spider's Web. Nope. I saw it. I don't know what to make of it. It's directed by uh, Fede Alvarez, who I know Josh is a big fan of. Um, and it's a continuation, but not really, of The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, starring Rooney Mara and Daniel Craig, directed by David Fincher. The is, do we have Rooney Mara and Daniel Craig back, or no? No, it's, um, it's now Claire Foy, who was in Unsane, and she plays... I think Queen Elizabeth II on the crown, and okay. everyone's favorite Sverir Gudnason as Blomqvist, the Daniel Craig character. Yep. Okay. Uh, Sylvia Hex actually from uh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine is playing uh, Elizabeth Salander's sister, so that's cool. Small cast. It. Um, I don't know. I'm not. I'm a little skeptical about it because I just I really liked Fincher's version of uh, his interpretation of the story a lot better but I think these could be interesting because they are uh, they're <laughs> stop me if you heard this before Cody but they are Nordic set uh, mystery thrillers and those always go great right <laughs> no 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 uh, I, I, I think this this isn't going to be a snowman but if it's if it's half as good as uh, Dragon Tattoo, I'll be pretty happy. And Fede Alvarez, I think, yeah, I think most of our problem with the Snowman was our expectations. Yeah, too high. Yeah, but we they they should have been. We didn't know until late in the game that the movie was like they only shot seventy five percent of it. So, but once we knew that, I I at least was like, yeah, this is gonna suck. Because <laughs> that's uh, never a good sign. Um, but uh. But yeah, it's. I'm excited about it. I think it's at the very least going to be a fun thriller, and at the very most, could be something cool. Fun? Doesn't she get like raped in the first one? Yeah, yeah. It's it's. It doesn't sound fun to me. No, but Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, uh, released in 2011, cost 90 million to make, gross 232. So that's you know double if you assume double a budget to make up for advertising and stuff like that that's 180 million it grossed 232 so that's a maybe a 50 million i mean it's a crude way to get to it but maybe a 50 million dollar profit so i don't know i i'm kind of bummed that they couldn't just make this with fincher and everybody and just do it right but hey wasn't well, david fincher doing something he's doing that netflix show that I just don't, I can't get into. So I don't know. And he wants. Apparently, he's still circling uh, World War Z two, Dawn of Justice. Ugh. So oh, who the hell knows? Who don't the hell make knows? that movie. I want him to get out of, get away from Netflix and to do movies because I just well, get away from that shit franchise. You can right. do whatever he wants. 
Here's a couple of animated sequels, and then we'll finish off with some prestige Oscar contenders. Lego Movie 2, Wreck-It Ralph 2. I saw um, Michael Ralph's 2's trailer. That's it. What'd you think? It looks fine. Yeah. Looks unnecessary as a movie, but... But all movies are unnecessary. Really? I didn't think Wreck-It Ralph needed a sequel. Mm. But if they do it well enough, and who knows? Maybe it's like a Toy Story 2. Yeah. Seems kind of cruel that we get... We don't get many John C. Riley performances, and the ones we do get are either animated or in Kong Skull Island. Yikes. God, I hate that movie. So, uh, I did not see either of these, and I don't plan on it. Um, yeah, I didn't see the Lego movies one. Yeah, I have full faith in that movie, though. Yeah, that'll be fine. I, I heard one thing about it, about kind of the, the log line of it is, and the sort of central theme. I think that could be really interesting, but... Don't want to ruin it for anybody who doesn't know it, because it's very clever. Um, all right. Let's talk about some prestige movies, then. Widows. Steve McQueen. Viola Davis. Yeah, Liam Neeson. John Bernthal. Yay, nay. What are we talking about? Is it a movie that's coming out, or...? Oh, it's a trailer. Okay, so you didn't see the trailer. No. It's Steve McQueen's follow-up to 12 Years a Slave. It's about a group of uh, wives who pick up a heist, their husband's... Uh, died conducting, and it's a very... This isn't as much of a popcorn movie as I thought it would be, uh, coming from Steve McQueen, at least. It looks very serious and, you know, <laughs> stoic and violent. Wasn't 12 Years a Slave pretty uh Yeah, serious? but, like, I thought, you know, when you have a heist movie, you kind of dial it back a little bit, and you can you get more license to be a little Oceans-y. And, you know, I that he did, and that's fine. Um... It seems like it may be playing it a little bit too cool. Cause like, there's a line from Colin Farrell that I didn't like called where he's like, "Oh, in this city, you reap what you sow." And I was like, "Ah, God, <laughs> just uh, I don't know he's, about uh, that." He's but, really into indie movies right now, isn't he? Yeah, the Farrell. Farrell is he's I I love his choices. He makes such good choices. Uh, I never saw that last movie he was in. Which one? Um, one where he was a doctor. The killing of oh the yeah, yeah 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 Yorgos Yorgos Latinos yeah, I want to see movie. that it's on it's on Amazon I'm gonna watch it someday I thought about going to Cinemapolis to see it but I was just yeah like, I did ah, too I really wanted to it's really cold and I'm tired and I just don't want to sit through that because for some reason I really really like the lobster but I can't put my finger on it great first half great first half such a weird movie. love it um but yeah I'm still excited for Widows I think it's gonna be really cool and. I again, the heist is ninety percent of how I rate and judge a heist movie. So if that works, then I think the movie's going to work. And then lastly is First Man. Oh, I did see this one. <sighs> Looks I'm good. Excited for it. Yeah. Uh, the flat earthers are going to have a field day with this one. <laughs> this is just propaganda. Yeah. Or no, it'll be propaganda unless somebody finds a speck of well, maybe we didn't land on the moon, and then it's going to be. Oh, uh, well, Damien Chazelle in First Man, he told it how it is. You know, we didn't go to the moon or whatever. <laughs> There's going to be the worst. Just like in Whiplash. Yeah. Um, Chazelle's third movie nothing to, has nothing to do with music at all. It's going to be a straight I bet he'll still survival. get jazz in there somehow. Well, it's, a, it's the 60s. Of course, you're going to get a little bit of it, but 
I wanted him to, you know, cap out his trilogy. I thought that had been a cool way to start a career. But, you know, going this route with uh, the Gosling and Corey Stoll and all those, everybody is, sounds really cool. Claire Foy's in this one, too, so she's having a good ah, year. She's all over the place. Yeah. Uh, Sauron Insane, didn't really love her, but, you know, maybe uh, that's a tough movie to love, so I can, <laughs> I'm not too surprised by that. But it looks really good. Um, definitely going to be in... I think the front runner when it comes to award season, because people just love Chazelle, and he's. I think the Academy is going to be pretty sympathetic to him after Best Picture Gate a couple years ago. Oof. So, um, so yeah, they're going to have a busy, uh, busy, busy year, busy end of the year, especially doing all the award shows and you know all that good stuff. So excited about that one. Uh, can you think of any other trailers that you saw in the theater or online that I you haven't wanna... seen? Yeah. Okay. Not that I can think of. Well, they kind of all just got dumped out on us over the course of a week. So I figure, figure. Yeah. Was what was time. that all about? I don't know. It was, it was weird, but, um, maybe that's, maybe that happens every year and we just have bad memories. I don't know. Uh, and then Creed two is actually coming tomorrow. So it, it never ends. Yeah. I saw the poster that got released today. Very cool. Is there I'm any- glad. Uh, I'm glad Sylvester Stallone can start putting in like real posters instead yeah. of all the fan ones that he's been posting on Instagram. Oh, has he? Oh yeah, they're bad too. Yikes! Uh, I'll ask you this then. So, since we've gotten so many trailers, is there one that is there a movie that you want to see either more or something from that you just haven't yet? And you're like, wait, you were sort of waiting to see it. Not really. Yeah. I don't really think about that stuff. Okay. Um, That's fine. No. When I get a trailer, I get a trailer. There is one that I think you'll be in agreement with me on. Is the is Adam McKay, his next movie called Backseat, with uh, Sam Rockwell, Christian Bale, a bunch of people. It's about um, the George W. Bush administration. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Amy Adams is in it, too. Steve Carell, Allison Pill, yikes, Tyler Perry, you know. I re- I'm really curious about that one. I think it's going to be a, a pretty big one. Be a, be a lot in the conversation. Um, so, looking forward to that one. But uh, we'll talk about that whenever it comes out. So, let's. you want to move on? I guess so. Might as well. All right. Well, strap in, Cody. After a 14-year wait, let's discuss Incredibles 2. I did. So, are we going to talk about it? Why? The elephant in the room. What elephant? Mom's new job. It's time to make some wrong things right. Help me bring supers back into the sunlight. We need to change people's perceptions about superheroes. And Elastigirl is our best play. Better than me? Sweetie. I'll watch the kids, no problem. That's not the way you're supposed to do it, Dad. They want us to do it. This I don't way. know that way. Why would they change math? Math is math. Okay, math Dad. is math. Hello? Hey, honey. How are the kids? Everything's great. Not the Incredibles 2. Just Incredibles 2. Just Incredibles 2. Not like it's it's like the Terminator. It's not 
The Terminator Judgment Day. It's just Terminator Judgment Day. Just that's all it is. Um, initial thoughts on this one. Why don't you start us you? off? Oh, you want me Why to don't go? Why don't you start us off? Yeah. Okay. All right. Whew. Well, uh, I saw this just about uh, you know, six days ago. So I've had some time to mull it over. Saw it in a pretty cool. Um, IMAX double feature of Incredibles 1 and Incredibles 2, and I think that despite the fact that it's been 14 years since the first, and that we just collectively as a culture built it up to this mythic uh, kind of standing as like the movie, uh, and the sequel that everybody wants that nobody's been able to get, you know, in a world where we don't have to, in, in a world where we know that a sequel's coming before the first one has even been made yet, basically, it's the one that we've all kind of ha- sort of saw, hoped and seen uh, light in the distance. You're like, oh, well, Incredibles 2 is going to come someday. And someday's finally here. And I really think it does the right, it makes the right choices to keep this world fresh and to keep us still invested in these characters and to keep, um, to keep this storyline going without making it dumber. And I'll kind of, I can get into that a little bit of making this movie dumber would have been to introduce a Joker or a winter soldier or an ego or somebody like that instead of keeping the focus on, on the family. Because I think more than any other superhero movie, the the main characters is the strength of this movie and not something to get out of the way. So you can, move on to the next villain or the next infinity stone or the next crossover or whatever. Like this family is the driving force of these movies, which you really can't say about anybody else except maybe the first couple of X-Men movies. And yeah, there's some things I don't like about it. The villain is incredibly underwhelming. And I just, and that the Pixar's constant need to throw a villain twist at you is just, is a beating sometimes, but Overall, I think this movie delivered just in just about every way it could. Has the best action sequences of the year, uh, slightly above Black Panther, but I'll still give it the edge. And I had a blast, and I can't wait to see this again. So, what about you? I also think it lived up to the uh, expectations we've been setting for it. Um, as far as your point about the villain is concerned, I... I don't. I disagree with you. I think that the villain was incredibly obvious, but I liked the way it was executed. Mm-hmm. So it didn't bother me that much. I was actually kind of surprised. Can I spoil it yet? Yeah, we're in spoilers. Yeah, always spoilers. in spoilers. Spoilers. Um, ah! I was uh, actually surprised it was the sister, not. The brother who was, yeah, I I had unfortunately stumbled on an an article that kind of showed a toy set uh, for the movie, showing that Screen Slaver, the villain, was uh, underneath the mask was Wince Endeavor. So I was like, oh, okay, well, it's well, it's it's not like this is going to be anybody else. The villain is going to be anybody else, but these two or three characters that they introduced just for the first time. So it's like not a huge Mm -hmm. deal. And they did a little switcheroo with uh, with it being Evelyn, Evelyn Endeavor, or should I say, Evil Endeavor? <gasps> oh my God! You did not. No. Holy shit! Ah! Who <laughs> voiced her? 
Catherine Keener from Get Out and other things. Really? Yeah. She was in other things. Like, sounds a like, that's weird, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, kind of sounded like uh, Scarlett Johansson a little bit. A little bit. Um, and she was good. Everybody, I have no bad performances in this movie. Yeah, yeah. And I got to say, um, <laughs> you know that documentary Man on Wire? Yeah. This movie had a Man on Wire moment where... Uh, I don't. I don't think I've talked about this specifically with you, but um, one of my least favorite, and I, I wouldn't even say least favorite, one of my most hated movie tropes is the brainwashed friend or you know spouse or whatever, and the other person is like, "Come on, I know you're in there." Blah 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 blah. This movie's man on wire moment was when Bob first ran into Elastigirl, and he's like, and he basically did that, and then she just cuffed him immediately with those glasses, and like, yeah. you know, it's like if it had gone into that, I would have probably left the theater right then and there because I just how, I hate how that it so didn't, much. Just how it didn't work. Yeah, I. That it's not mean? that it didn't work. That plot trope works fine. I just no, hate no, it I more mean than that, the ploy, the the asking for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That they just kind of skirted around that. Bucky, I see you. Exactly. Uh, it's it's, it's uh, <laughs> but that how that didn't work is what you're talking about, right? Yeah, how she just like she 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 pretends to go with it for a second. Exactly. Yeah, I was like, oh wow, you subverted that a little bit. That's pretty great. And I, I'll be honest, I was kind of spending the rest of the that chunk of the movie sort of waiting for them to do it to be angry, uh, which they never did. So. Uh, maybe then next time I'll see it, the movie, I'll be able to kind of appreciate it a little bit better when I'm not on guard so much, I guess. But, um, <laughs> but the villain, yeah, uh, Screenslaver, he, I thought he had a lot of potential, uh, and his, the monologue that he has, or I, well, I don't know why I'm saying, he, well, I guess it's a pizza guy, so I guess I can say he, um, that he has about, which I think is Brad Bird's sort of, um, calling it out on superhero culture? Call, nah, not just calling it on superhero culture. Just, just culture. calling it out on screen culture. Mm-hmm. Now people are so, you know, we don't we don't cook, we watch cooking shows. We don't, you know, we don't go out and date, we watch dating shows and all that. Um, I thought that was very clever. I was kind of waiting for it to come into play because whenever we cut back to the family at home, a lot of, pe- a lot of the times they were watching TV, and I was just sort mm-hmm. of like waiting for that to... It was like the Chekhov's gun that was sort of never used, which was fine. Um, but, uh, but like, yeah, but like I said, it was very good commentary. I thought the scene when she goes to find Screen Slaver was really cool. Uh, I just really liked the design of that character. And I think in a, maybe in worse hands or that he might have been, you know, that might have been like a third act reveal instead of a end of the first act kind of reveal. Mm-hmm. And... I don't know, it left me wanting more screen slaver, so I can't really have it as a positive too much, but the the villain twist cliche is getting a little old. Uh it was Justin Coco. Uh it was in uh I mean Toy Story Two was a while ago, but um it was still in there. That's what started it. Yeah, basically. And I don't know, it and that's not it was in Zootopia too. That's not Pixar, but it's animated. So that just seems to happen a lot. I'm not not crazy about it, uh, but it's just sort of something you got to live with. And um, and then the motivations I felt for the for Evelyn Dever were a little murky, I guess. Um, it made sense to me. 
Yeah, like I correct me if I'm wrong, but her whole bit was that she wanted to get all these supers and get all these politicians and everything on this boat to sign this deal legalizing supers and then having the supers attack them to make them illegal forever. <laughs> that was kind of silly. Uh, but like I, I'm just yeah, thinking, that plan makes no sense because you didn't have to get them all together to sign something. But like, as how do you? But as an advanced society, unless I missed something, which maybe I did, but when people watch it on TV, are they not going to notice that these other supers have these goggles on? You know, that maybe something weird is going on that they're not actually acting. Um, I don't know. I need to watch the movie again, but I, I do know that I didn't love that part of the movie but unlike most superhero movies unlike most blockbusters period it's such a small part and it it, it really doesn't you know you could say it, it's a negative that the villain doesn't have much of an impact on the movie but like i said earlier i think the family is so good yeah the other characters the, so that's great. not the focus the, yeah. the conflict isn't the focus of the movie which yeah is weird to say but it's about the, it's the, the characters it's the development of the family it's pure character yeah. development this movie yeah, exactly. Exactly. And unlike Guardians of the Galaxy, it's done well. <laughs> and it's Fair. not super in your face about it. That's true. I liked it. Yeah. Could you tell? I did. I can tell. I can tell. Um other likes that uh that you have. Throw throw a couple out there. I like the um the design of this, the world, how it's like retro future. I think it's super cool. Mm-hmm. Um, the the 50s is like the best time in American history. Well, these are actually 60s, but they 60s, have modern It's all the same shit. <laughs> Fuck you. Sorry. It's, <laughs> it's all the same. Yeah. Tell me you can tell the difference between 1958 and 1965, and I'll give you a cookie or whatever. Yes, I can. Give me cookie. What's the difference? Num num cookie. Uh, well, sixties is much is much more Art Deco and a little like gothic kind of, and then fifties is you know a lot of rounded corners, sharp reds, uh, you know patterns and stuff like that. Like uh, if you walk in, walking into a fifties house, a house built in nineteen fifty eight and nineteen sixty five, they're going to be completely different houses. But you know, the, I don't know. I think you're wrong. Okay. I also think you're stupid. I hate fair. you. Also fair. So here we are. Okay. This is... <laughs> uh, new characters. I like the the ambassador was cool for the few minutes she was in the movie. And it was a nice little payoff. Yeah. Winston Dever, I felt, was such a uh, surprising character because he was, like you said earlier, it's like he uh, he's obviously the villain. Didn't end up being the case, but the way that he's used of his sister just hating him so much he's like and you know this is i don't know i don't want to put words in brad bird's mouth but i feel like he, he i feel like for him winston dever is like a placeholder for part of superhero culture but like she calls him a child and she says that he's you know he's this and he's that and just like ripping on him constantly and it's just it it just sort of feels antagonistic of brad bird and i don't Maybe that maybe I'm missing that, but it just that's how it kind of came off to me. You especially. might be looking for it too, for to okay. be honest. Okay, maybe, but do, do you do you no, include a character? Yeah, but no, it. but do you include a character like that in a superhero movie without using it to comment on things? 
No. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I'm just saying, I'm looking at it from a commentary perspective. I'm just like, okay, that seems like Brad Bird is use, is trying, using these characters to say things that he wants to say. So, whether it's... What do you think it's... questions, that's all I'm doing. Yeah, he's making some statements. Um, but I did, I did like how much of a fanboy sort of he was, and it was very sweet and very genuine. And mm-hmm. I, I liked how they kind of wheeled him into the movie in the first act, kind of seeing Mr. Incredible in action. I thought that was a lot of fun. And um, uh, some of the other supers, Void, with starring, uh, played by Sophia Bush, shows she up in cool. this. I like yeah, her. Had portal powers, which was neat. Uh, <laughs> and... Um, hmm. I think that's it for for new. Yeah, I didn't really care for any of the other new supers. The owl guy was interesting, and then the gastric acid dude. Oh, that's a cho- that's a choice. <laughs> you are making a choice, very my friend. Childish. It's very childish. Yeah, but yeah, I can live with it. Uh, at the action sequences easily my favorite Amazing. part of the movie. They were so good. Oh, the train, man. No, I haven't seen The Incredibles in a long time. So how does that uh, sack up to the first movie? Oh, man. I would say I think they're in a dead heat. I don't... I Really? They both have equally... They both have great scenes, and they both don't have any ones that... Eh, that wasn't... That could have been better. I think they were both pretty, uh, pretty equal. And obviously with Incredibles there's I remember those more but I've seen that movie 10 times and I've seen this once so uh when they even out at some point maybe I'll be able to give you a more definitive answer but I I remember and I prefer the Incredibles action sequences but I also recognize that the Incredible for Incredibles 2 they're probably better um just from a design and storyboarding and uh kind of well thought out uh perspective they certainly had time to <laughs> figure these out. Um, let's see. Just a little bit. Well, just a little bit. But, I mean, it's, like I said, it's a dead heat. I, I think if you stack these, if you show all these action sequences to somebody who's never seen an Incredibles movie, they'll, you know, I don't think they're going to be able to be like, oh, well, that one sucked, and that one was easily the best one. I don't think there's an, there's an oh, that's, e-, like, like how the Batman-Bane fight, that's easily the best fight scene in the Dark Knight trilogy. You can't do that with these. They're all great. Yeah. Uh, let's see. But did you... Well, did you have a favorite? Action scene? Uh, just them stopping the ship at the end of the movie. Okay. Nice. Nice. That whole sequence I really enjoyed. I like the train. I just think... I think it was so cool. And the, the bike just sort of made the whole thing. of All the awesome stuff she could do with it. Oh, it's just great. Um, speaking of she, the characterization was another, was obviously the highlight of this movie. I loved everything he did with Elastigirl, switching up the, uh, the gender dynamics obviously was, um, something you, that seems sort of obvious of something that you should do for the sequel. Um, and, uh, Mr. Incredible, to, uh, you know, and Elastigirl loved their storylines. Violets, surprisingly, might've been my favorite one though. <laughs> I, I like hers too. Yeah, just the way she kind of came into herself and sort of had to figure out 
how to be a kid for the first, how to be like a teenager for the first time, which just seemed really genuine. And that scene of her and her family at the restaurant when she blows the water out of her nose was hysterical. Uh, (laughs) So funny. Uh, What are are some other highlights from from a character perspective? Um, Edna Mm. is always amazing in these movies. Yeah. I don't know if her character really got developed that much or anything, but I still really enjoyed her. Yeah, no, seeing her and Jack Jack hanging out was really cute. Uh, he was copying her. Yeah, <laughs> with like holding the cigarette or whatever she had. It's like uh, it's just amazing. Uh, Jack Jack in general was a scene stealer. He every time. I love how I love how he would just like disappear into a different dimension. <laughs> I love that and the scene with the. The moment leading up to him uh, and the raccoon was just great. Where he's watching on he watching this old movie on TV with a robber and everything, and <laughs> he thinks the raccoons are a robber. Yeah, he just he just you know like all kids do, he sees something on TV and then he applies it to his everyday life, not considering the consequences. And you know he doesn't he doesn't care that it, the raccoon is stealing trash. He just knows he's stealing from his family, and he just goes out there and <laughs> wreck shop. I don't know. I thought <laughs> was. Uh, that's that was the scene that I was hearing a lot about uh, coming into. It. It's like oh the raccoon scene and this and like oh Jack Jack that and I was like how could it really live up to the hype and it it totally did. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. I could have watched that for another ten minutes. I was bummed that it ended. I'll say because he was just so fun and especially at the end with trying to find him and you know the elevate the little scene in the elevator where he just freaks out on that guy it's just the <laughs> best um uh other likes from you can we talk about the uh, animated short at the beginning sure if you want to because that destroyed me <laughs> that was so good and it made me almost cry dude really did, did you not feel anything well I know I I liked it. I was I was just surprised when she ate him. I was like, "What is happening?" Yeah, that, that surprised everybody. What is it's happening, up, dude? That guy, the person who directed that, is he got a movie deal from that. And he's making a Pixar movie now, based on an original idea. So, if you like Bao, wow. just stay stay tuned. I, I guess. hope it's just a whole movie of that. Yeah, no maybe doubt. that'd be bad. Yeah, but not the best. Um, yeah, that was a good Pixar short. But I also. I loved uh, the one before Inside Out, the one with the volcanoes. I thought that was amazing, and everybody hated that one. So I don't know. I'm not a good judge of shorts. I also like Jerry's Game, and I think most people don't like Jerry's Game. So don't trust me, basically. Um, (laughs) So speaking about uh, the gap between Incredibles and Incredibles 2... Do you think the time jump to not do a time jump was a mistake, or are you glad? No, that they I think kept that it? was a very smart thing to do. Right, especially when you end it like that, like the first one ends on like cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. Was it a cliffhanger? Kinda. Hmm. I guess cliffhanger. I don't know. It insinuates a sequel. Yeah. It might not be a cliffhanger. Right. I've gotten a bit too excited. <laughs> Hey, hopefully the next one isn't uh, isn't too far away. So that'd be nice. Uh, let's see. Fifty years away. 
I would be fine if they did jump up a little bit for the next one with the kids in high school or college or whatever. But if they want to... Yeah, that would be fine. But Brad Bird's talked a lot about how, you know, he got to start with The Simpsons. And one of his big inspirations for this movie of keeping these characters at their same age is like they're, you know, without uh, sounding too pompous, I guess. He's like, they're, you know, they're iconic characters as it is. You know, people know Dash and Violet and... Mr. Incredible and the last girl in Jack Jack. It's like, why age them up and change their essence when, mm-hmm. you know, we have everything that we need to keep them the age that they are and doing the, having the same problems and just kind of. Guess the uh, only real important thing is that you voice them all by adults. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Dash is still, Dash was amazing because that, the the voice of Dash in Incredibles, Incredibles 2 was obviously different people because the, Kid who played him in Incredibles aged out of it, uh, went through puberty probably as the movie was being released. Uh, probably, maybe. But I didn't really notice any change. I thought they yeah, sounded eerily similar, and I saw them back to back, so I was ready f- to be like, "Ah, that doesn't sound right." But that was it was spooky how much they sounded alike. Ugh, jeez. Really good job to whoever whoever found Huck Milner or whatever his name is. Um, man. Bravo, bravo. Uh, so, any other likes, dislikes, or moments that you in particularly enjoyed? I've got nothing. Do you have anything else? I really like the um, the uh, s- the plane scene at the very end when Elastigirl is chasing down Evelyn. She uh, she keeps uh, bringing the plane higher and higher up to like make Elastigirl kind of cut down on her oxygen so she becomes delirious mm-hmm. you know i i've never seen that in a movie before and it seems so, like such a smart thing to do to create you know dramatic tension for an action scene especially when one per one character has powers and the other doesn't to kind of put them on equal footing i thought that yeah. was really clever um that whole last uh, third act was great bringing back the Incredicar, is i think that's what it was called was cool because you know we kind of saw that for five seconds in the first movie and um sort of forgot it existed so it was a nice well god knows they had enough time to uh, rewatch the movie to make sure everything was uh fine yeah where it needed to be uh let's see other moments and i just i gotta say again i really like the screen the first tracking down the screen slaver scene uh yeah that was her good. going around the warehouse was really cool and um and yeah i mean there's plenty of other moments that i've you know either forgotten or was just too busy fanboying over but uh just in general jack jack was a highlight uh family was a highlight the writing on this was spectacular and i just i hope we get to see another one sooner rather than later and this movie just killed at the box office too 180 million dollars biggest animated it's opening got ever. A, it's double dipping on its audience it's not just for kids it's for yeah literally kids and their parents in some cases yeah Ugh. jeez. yeah so there Mason. yikes now you may if you were even if you were 13 years old and the first one's out you're 27 you probably have a kid in some in some areas of the country specifically ours you might have a Two. five-year-old kid at this point. Yeah. Or, you know, three five-year-old kids or whatever. Spooky. Um, all right. Well, uh, final thoughts and then a grade. Go for it. What else is there to say? I'm pretty sure we said everything. Yeah. It's a great movie. Um, 
if they need to take another 14 years to make a movie that good, then you can take as much time as they want. I will see this movie again. If it doesn't, if I can find The Incredibles 1 on Blu-ray for not $25, I'll get it. But I, it's great. Eight. Straight eight. Nice. Eight, eight out of ten. I really enjoyed it. I thought, um, like I said earlier, the characters were just perfectly developed. Uh, it, the, the movie retained all of its charm and wit without sacrificing anything to, well, we have to do this because audiences like this, or we have to do that because, you know, this is how you do a sequel. It just felt like it was very uh, untethered to sort of what you expected, and which is ultimately what I loved about it. And um, the only thing I want going forward, not that I really want, but uh, I did read that um, the Screen Slaver was kind of a last-minute addition to this movie, and they had another villain for a little while, but they moved him. They kind of rewrote and made Screen Slaver slash Evelyn Dever the antagonist. For Incredibles 3, I, th- I would love it if they kind of had an idea from the outset of who the villain was and without it being a twist and gave the pars kind of something to work towards and some adversary. Cause I think we see, we saw it with syndrome, the villains in these, in this universe are, can be great. I just think you need to, you got to tap into it and keep it the, um, like tap into that vein, I guess. Um, as much as you may not want to, I think the third one, uh, is a, a great Incredibles villain is something I've always thought would be would be awesome. But if they don't want to do that, then I'm sure that's probably going to be the right call. But just as a, as a fan, I would love to see the kind of adversary Brad Bird could, uh, could, could cook up because he's just a brilliant writer and brilliant director. And What uh, if they make um, an Incredibles without Brad Bird? Would you watch it? Uh, <laughs> I would watch it. But it wouldn't. I don't think it would be as magical. I think it, this is his franchise. Just like I wouldn't want to watch a Finding Whatever movie from anybody but Andrew Stanton. You know, they could probably do it fine, but you got to get the the OG in there. Got to let him do his thing. And I can't wait to see what he does next. I think he'll probably do one uh, movie or two, and then come back to Incredibles. And I'm. Excited to see everything that he does, not just in this universe. So, uh, my grade, I'll give it a nine. I've really, really dug it. One of my favorites of the year so far. Uh, do you have any idea where this ranks in Pixar for you? Near the top. Near the top. I mean, it's no Toy Story one, but. Or is it? Is it Toy Story two? Yeah. Ooh. Mm, see. Toy Story two is pretty good. Toy Story 2 is the best Toy Story. No. Yes. Uh, right Story now... 1 is the best Toy Story. Shut your mouth. Watch 2 again. 2 is pretty great. 2 is pretty great. Uh, <laughs> Fuck you, Mason. Sorry. Currently... <laughs> thank you. Currently, I have it at number 8, so it's kind of right in the middle. Um, but, I mean, everything above it is just an incredible movie, and this is just slightly... Art. Yeah, basically. This is just a notch below below that, but it's still great. Uh, not right. quite art. <laughs> not quite art. It's close. Not quite. Um, also, uh, one of the, I guess, sorry, I forgot to mention this earlier, but 
One of the things I loved most about the first Incredibles was the world building that it did. Like with the, especially that, that opening montage of kind of the lawsuit and everything was just, I thought it was so cool. And I was, I was psyched for a little bit more of that, but they just went, uh, they kind of ignored that part of it, which is fine. But I was just hoping, again, as a fanboy, I was hoping for some more uh, documentaries or whatever. It's like, ah, that stuff is so good in the first. So, uh, watching, reading, listening to, why don't you go first? Um, I'm almost done watching House. Oh, nice. Uh, almost finished with Under the Dome. And then, hit me next week when I'm done with all this shit, and then I'll tell you. Book or movie? I'm or watching, reading, listening Book or show, Under the Dome? <laughs> I'm not watching that fucking show and yeah. did i talk about it on here yet uh i've taught yeah i think we have i it's bad but it's, it's kind of fun not good it's kind of fun no. read the book it's so much better yeah it's just weird because they took one of the main antagonists of the book mm-hmm. and as far as i can tell he's one of the main characters of the show yeah like one of the protagonists it's bushy phil bushy and I'm just like, why? He's nothing like what he looks. <laughs> and Stephen King's an executive producer. I just want to know how he was okay with this. I'm sure he doesn't really care about the TV shows or movies. Is this money? No, it's just not money. I just think he doesn't. He's like, the books, well, the books are the books. So what do I care about how they do with the movies or the TV <laughs> shows or whatever? I, I, I can understand He needs integrity. That. You're better than this, Steve. Maybe. Steve. Oh, you know him? Nice. Oh, yeah. Way to go. Uh, as for myself, I saw a couple of movies, one that we were going to talk about, but just didn't get around to life kind of happened. Ocean's eight, uh, one of my most anticipated of the year and it kind of let me down. Uh, yeah, me too. Except I wasn't anticipating it. It was just boring. It could have been a lot better. And, uh, Sandra Bullock, (sighs) no, thank you. So, okay. Great person. I, I missed the first, like five minutes of the movie yeah um did they really just kill george clooney off screen yes but he's gonna come back why did they have to kill him off? i don't understand what the point was to bring him back for oceans 10 well is that when they're going to uh i mean i'm just guessing i don't know for i don't know if they're gonna merge the two they'll be like Brother and sister. Uh, no, I mean, I think I think with o- Ocean's 10, you're going to see them come to... I think you're going to see him and Brad Pitt back. That'd be my guess. Or maybe just him. I don't know. Uh, I do... There is going to be some... Something going on with that. Maybe Soderbergh does it, too. To, like, kind of bring bring everything home. Or something. I don't know. Um, yeah. Ocean's 8 is fine. Nothing really that nothing that special. I think it's one of those movies where the the supporting characters are way more interesting than the main characters. Hold on one second, Mason. There's something going on. Oh, it's just a dumpster. Sorry. What did you think it was? I didn't. I was hearing noises and I got scared. I thought someone was knocking at my door, <laughs> but it was just the dumpster. They were taking the trash. Sad. The supporting characters are better than the main characters, is that what you said? Yeah. 
so yeah so the supporting characters i thought were a lot better than the main characters and this is the one of the only times maybe the only i've ever said this but anne hathaway was by far my favorite part of this movie yeah that's weird she was great she was so much fun like oh man i like, especially why, in the second half she was why is anne hathaway better in a movie than Kate blanchett what is happening what is happening you gotta get Kate blanchett was boring yeah. <laughs> she looked good in this movie yeah she just um, i don't know i, I think else was there? Uh, uh rihanna was straight trash i liked her i thought she was fun no fun enough aquafina uh, was better than she was aquafina my god yeah she definitely the worst thing the worst thing about her yeah i mean you got rihanna sandra bullock Kate blanchett and then aquafina <laughs> and mindy Kaling. like shout out to her yeah good congrats for her she really this is a big it's a big movie for her i'm proud hashtag proud um i hope but i hope they learn the lessons going forward and they put in a little bit more effort on the screenwriting front because i i think you could do more with bullock and uh uh bullock and blanchett and i feel like sandra was like sandra bullock was like murmuring through the entire movie her direction i don't know what the direction for her was just like i could not hear her at some point she was just she was talking obnoxiously quiet i don't know it was it was triggering me but um and then i also saw the seagull which is an adaptation of a uh ant something anton chekhov somebody che- something Chekhov. i knew i reckon yeah it's anton chekhov yeah yeah, yeah. uh and it's it's an adaptation of one of his plays i enjoyed it uh i was kind of waiting for it to end at times it's an hour 45 movie that felt like it was two and a half and not in a good way and uh, hold on um the seagull is that the one with the gun no no one shoots themselves in it oh yeah 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 yes they do yeah that's that's where the um oh really that phrase huh. that's where the Chekhov's gun uh thing comes from because uh that gun hangs in the background the entire movie or the entire play wow he's like hey if it's you have a gun there you gotta fucking fire it by the end of the movie that is so cool i didn't know that was from that Wow, I learned something today. I could help. Thanks, Cody. Smart boy. Uh, Sir, yeah, I've read that. I read that. Oh, you did for pleasure? Yeah, in, yeah, no, in college. For pleasure? No, I read it in college uh, in one of my uh, oh, okay. my class on Russia. I read it. Nice. It was it was interesting. I it's I like I just like plays in general about how dialogue and character arcs are handled and um it's just sort of fun to see thing something done in such a technical way and julian moore plays one of the most it was no was it julian moore i think it was but she plays one of the most annoying character oh annette benning sorry annette benning uh she wanted she plays one of the most annoying characters i've seen in a long time but i kind of loved her um Elizabeth Moss was a scene stealer, and um, this guy named Constantine was just the worst, but it also kind of the best. I don't. Know, it's I wouldn't really recommend it to too many people, but it's it's a very Sony Pictures classic kind of a movie. If you like that, you'll you'll enjoy your time with the sequel. <laughs> I know. All I know is I went and saw it and a mat. I saw a matinee in New York uh, last Monday, and it was me and, and sitting right in front of me was like a ninety three year old man who just was dying laughing. That was the funniest movie ever, so that kind of made it worth it. 
and a lot of old people hanging around, which I've, I'm always all all. That makes me happy. All about, but um, let's see what else. And I feel like I saw something that I want to talk about. Ugh, Jurassic World's coming out. Yikes. Oh, and then just uh, the other night. Oh, actually, I saw two things. First Reformed with Ethan Hawke. What a very strange movie, Cody. Very, I'm very so strange. I'm so that you um, gave it a bad score on Letterboxd because I really want to see it. You should. I think it's... I just think it is not my kind of movie. And it kind of goes... It has a very interesting plot, but a very muddled and kind of bleh story. And, like, there's a choice that uh, he makes at the end of the movie that kind of defines the whole thing that maybe in in more Michael Bay-ish hands would have been, like, viscerally cool. And this is kind of like an intellectual sort of movie that it's probably smarter, but I kind of... I wanted it to go sort of all the way, and it kind of it pulled back at the last minute, and it kind of bummed me out. But it's an interesting movie. I'm glad I saw it. I uh, don't really want to think about it again, and I'm <laughs> curious to see. I'm curious to figure out what everybody's seeing in it. Because um, I, the reason I saw it was like you know saw the four and a half stars here, five stars there. I was like, wow, this must be cool, and it kind of wasn't. There's a scene in the middle of the movie where they do a magical mystery tour. I won't say anything else about else about it. That is just straight up. I don't even know what to make of it. It is one of the most confusing scenes I've ever seen in a movie. Well, I saw it set upstate. Um, yeah, but like, you know where, uh, where's a generic town. I think it's a generic town, but it kind of felt Buffalo E to me. It's not upstate. I mean, technically it is. That's Western New York. Go fuck yourself. New yeah, York but it's City. all upstate. Snowbridge, no, New not. York. Is that, that a place? Is Snowbridge, New York a place? I feel like we've talked about this. No, it is not. We were, it's not. That's too bad. It's not a real... I mean, there's Snowbridge Advisors, LLC, 299 Park Ave, New York City, but... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it, I I would recommend it, but with a an asterisk, I guess. And then uh, Netflix released an original movie, their first good one, possibly ever. Uh, set it up, a cute little rom com with Zoe Deutsch and Glenn Powell from Everybody Wants Some, my favorite film of 2016, and it is adorable. I loved it quite a bit. Um, uh, it's good to see a, a rom com be made and that. And it certainly feels like this generation's kind of when Harry met Sally. Uh, it's got a lot of millennial kind of feels to it and a lot of the same, I don't know, principles, I guess, of millennial culture you can find in this movie. And it's just adorable. The performances are really strong. The, there's some downright hilarious scenes and moments and characters, and I just I couldn't recommend it enough. It's another one of my favorites uh, of the year. I can... I can see myself revisiting this plenty more times. So uh, that'll that'll do it for us, I think. I think we're done with the RealFlex podcast. Yeah, this episode. Um, not quite sure what's coming in the future. I don't know. Maybe Jurassic World is good or bad enough to warrant talking about, but 
a list or something might be fun. Well, I'm going to see Jurassic World. Yeah, I'm interested in it. I I don't know um, what to expect, and I kind of want to find out. So uh, maybe you can look forward to that. Or, oh, you know what would be fun? A list episode of movies that should not have gotten sequels. Ooh. Um, like if, what was the first episode we did a list? Uh, Probably our top ten of 2015. Because that one. What do you mean? That should never have gotten a sequel. <laughs> oh, that's funny. You're good. You're, you're a funny guy. I know. I love you. lists. Lists are fun. I know you do. You you're good at lists. I'm I'm good at bullshitting. And lists. Just bullshitting lists. How do you not like putting together a list? I don't understand. I just I don't like thinking about it. It's, it's fun. Got to figure ah. out what goes where. If you like this more than that, or you know, ah. Oh. I have more fun winging it. And if I actually put my time, like, it took me like three weeks to come up with my top ten in twenty seventeen, and it was great. It was no. such a fun time. It was good. It was a cool list, ah. especially since we all knew each other's lists. No, I didn't know any of yours. I had no idea. I knew Josh's number one. That was and number two. But that was about it. I didn't know what uh seven with seventeen times five, uh eighty. I didn't know eighty five percent of your lists. I think that's yeah, yeah. but uh, you yeah, no, my number one ones. I didn't, and that was fun. So, uh, <laughs> all right, well, that'll do it. We'll see what hap- what, what we're talking about next week. So, until then, you can follow us at underscore Realflix on the Twitter, or leave an iTunes review and tell us what you thought, and uh, so we'll read it. Yeah, we'll maybe. definitely make fun of it behind your back, but obviously, of course, how could we not? Uh, Cody, take it easy. Goodbye, Mason. Just have to wait and see If they've got enough If they've got enough for you and me Just bought some octane They cut my dollar in half You should try it out sometime, monkey There's nothing like